Blog Talk Radio. live video. I could not get it to work. I was trying to do a preview for today's show and I was also doing a special announcement. And I tried, I don't know, 10 plus times and I could not get the stupid thing to work. So I ended up having to record the video separately and then upload it and do all this stuff. So I am running behind a little bit. So I'm going to do a little Tammy style right now. Tammy Bruce often during her show does a little bit of this. I'm going to play you a little bit of music I'm going to go grab my cup of coffee that's just finished brewing over there, and I'm going to be right back. Let me grab this for you. Music. If you don't know that, you are listening to Stand and Deliver, and that is from the Jezebel's new album called Cynthia. It's also the song that they kick off the sets on the tour. At least that was the show that I saw in Los Angeles. 
they kicked off with that one. I also got to see that one in sound check, which was awesome. Yeah, Selfishness in the chat room's got it, right? It's called Stand and Deliver. Some good stuff there. Let me go ahead and turn it off. Very good. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, running a little bit behind. You know, this whole thing, I've been trying to ramp up and do Facebook Live video for the show. And now I'm seeing that perhaps it's not even going to be reliable. I, di- I didn't even think about the idea that it would just not be reliable. And I'm sitting there a little bit after 11 you know, Pacific time this morning, which is earlier than I was doing it last time. And, okay, I'm trying to get it to work, trying to get it to work. 10 times and it's just not working. I restarted my phone, you know, I closed everything out. I did everything and it just would not connect, would not connect. So even when I get the whole setup going, it might not even work reliably, but we'll try it. I don't see that your had any trouble with it, but he's doing it on Saturday. It could be that during the week, there's some extra draw on it. Who knows? In any event today, We're here, November 30th. This is November 30th, Don't Let It Go Unheard. And this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Her philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. And if you're listening, you know probably that I'm Amy Peikoff. I'm your host here. And today, the title, which is less clunky thanks to Sunny, as you'll see in my little preview video if you do check that out, the title is Donald Trump's Just Not That Into Your Rights. And it is a play off of that book. You know, there's a book called it's He's Just Not That Into You. But I had been thinking I was going to call it Donald Trump's Just Not That Into Individual Rights. Oh, that's too long. So I was going to put Donald Trump's Just Not Into Rights. And I put that by Sonny. And she says, well, why don't you put the word you're in there? Perfect. So thanks to Sonny Lohman, who is a genius for helping me with my title. I often will go and kind of, you know, throw my titles at Sunny. Sometimes they're done. And I say, isn't this a great title? And she pats me on the back and says, yes, it's a great title. Sometimes I say, well, I'm thinking of doing something like this. And maybe it's, this is the title and she'll help me like she did today. So thanks very much to Sunny Lohman. I'm looking forward to Sunny getting back out there and doing some videos herself. I think she says she's going to start pretty soon. She wants to do a weekly news video. I would, I would love to see that. So welcome everyone over in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for indulging me with a little bit of music for a bit. I've got my buttered coffee sitting here in a mug that I can nurse throughout the show. It's always, something about coffee, right? It, it's just that idea of having the hot beverage in the mug and you kind of hold it and it keeps your hands warm. And, you know, it's winter here in California. I think it's like 60 degrees Fahrenheit out there. It's just cold. Anyway, if you go over to the blog at don'tletitgo.com, you will see all of the program notes that I've got set up for today. As I said, our title, Donald Trump's Just Not That Into Your Rights. And we have a few stories that I think will demonstrate this. What I'm demonstrating is, you know, he's not anti-rights necessarily, but he's he's just not that into your rights and protecting your rights. And I think that a perfect illustration of that was something that we talked about in Monday show, which was at the end of that Trump script, as I'm calling it, remember all the transcripts of Trump's interviews and speeches for the next four years, I'm calling them Trump scripts. It could be for the next eight years. I don't know if we're in for eight years of Donald Trump, but we're probably in for at least four years of Donald Trump. Trump scripts. So remember at the very end, I was talking about this last time that Mark Thompson of New York Times asked him about whether he was committed to the First Amendment of the Constitution. This is arguably our most important right vis-a-vis the government that we are free to speak out and speak out against an overbearing government, a government that's just doing the wrong thing. This is something we need to have. And so here, you know, we have a major news outlet, New York Times, very long-standing institution of journalism, asking the incoming president, are you committed to the First Amendment? Now, he's going to take an oath, right, to uphold the Constitution on January 20th. But, you know, are you committed to this? So Trump says, first of all, he's hoping he wasn't going to say that. He doesn't want to be asked. This is the president-elect. He doesn't want to be asked whether he's committed to the First Amendment of the Constitution. And this is quoting from Trump. He says, I think you'll be happy. I think you'll be happy. 
actually, somebody said to me on that, they said, you know, it's a great idea softening up those laws, talking about the libel laws, softening up those laws, but you may get sued a lot more. I said, you know, you're right. I never thought about that. I said, you know, I have to start thinking about that. So I, I, I think you're going to be okay. I think you're going to be fine. End quote. That's from Trump. So again, it's not that he's committed to the First Amendment. He might like to change the libel laws in a way that would violate the First Amendment. That might be something he's interested in. And actually, the only thing that seems to be holding him back from that is that he might get sued a lot more. That's a scary thing. So this, that, I think that's a perfect illustration. It's rights. No, he's not even thinking about rights. It's not that he's anti-rights, but he's not pro-rights. He's not committed to rights either. And that is sad, right? You want a president who is committed to protecting and upholding your rights against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And this is not what we're getting with Donald Trump. You might think, again, I'm totally open to the idea that Donald Trump might do some good things. It might have been better for us to have Donald Trump instead of Hillary Clinton. I could not vote for Clinton. It didn't matter in the state of California anyway, so I've just got you know, total carte blanche to say I didn't have to vote for either of those two. I ended up voting for Johnson, a little bit indulgent, but that's what I did. It doesn't matter here in California. So many people voted for Clinton. It, you know, it doesn't make a difference, but, you know, we may end up being happier that we got Trump. It's not, however, because of any commitment on his part to protect individual rights. He should take individual rights as his guiding principle as the president of the United States. The United States is the first and really only found, you know, country in history that was founded on this principle as the essence of what the government was going to be about. It was going to be about protecting and upholding your individual rights. Yeah, there were some inconsistencies at the founding, particularly due uh, with respect to slavery. But, you know, the fundamental was there. And it was that fundamental that paved the way, for example, to free the slaves, give rights to minorities, give rights to women, et cetera, because that is the foundation. That is the difference that makes the difference with respect to the United States is this principle of individual rights. And we have a president-elect who is just not that into rights in general. We've had liberals, and liberals have been into certain rights and not others. They've wanted to, quote, expand rights and do things like that. At least they have some sort of idea of rights. Trump just, it just isn't on his radar. It's just not on his radar. It's very, very sad. Um, Take the Power Back is a new participant here in the chat room. Welcome to the show here today. It says that Trump will likely be better on some concrete policies, but he got elected on faith, which is immeasurably worse than a Hillary victory. It's immeasurably worse than a Hillary victory, although I think Hillary would have been elected on faith in large part, too, right? Because Hillary had so much corruption and everything behind her. There were a number of people who I knew who were excited about her simply because she's a woman. And that's ridiculous. It's a horrible, non-essential way to choose somebody. So I think if Hillary had gotten elected, the appeal of Hillary is maybe not quite as scary as the appeal of Trump, but it's up there. It really is. Jay in the chat room says the status quo via Hillary would have been just as big a break from reality and reason. Obama's and Hillary's policies are provably wrong. It is a toss up in my mind about which way we would have been better off. I could not bring myself to vote for Hillary Clinton. Could not. So, um, just Gene says, I told Trump he needs to knock it off and support the First Amendment. Can you imagine you need to tell a president-elect he needs to support the First Amendment? That's just, this is sad. So, like I said, I think that, that one example, his little discussion with New York Times over the First Amendment does show this attitude that I'm talking about, that he's just not that into your rights. And he's a president of the United States. He should be taking as his guiding principle the protection of individual rights. And he's not even close, not even close. 
So I, as I said, I do think it's a perfect way to describe. We have other examples that are going to show that today as well. If you go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com, you can check out all of the program notes. We're also going to have to talk about the jihadist attack that we had in Ohio the other day uh, as well. There's some important things to to say there and a few other things. So do go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com, check out the program notes. And if you want to participate in today's show, of course, we've got an active chat room. So thank you everyone for being here. If you want to call in and talk to me, the number is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And if you want to talk, press the one key, and that'll show me that if you're in the queue that you actually do want to speak to me as well. So let's go over to the blog. And if you see the first link on the program notes is a story from Volet Conspiracy. It's a follow-up on this whole issue of Donald Trump threatening to strip those people who burn the American flag of their citizenship or perhaps put them in jail. Here's the tweet. Looks like it's had 70,000 some odd retweets. Real Donald Trump, who knows what time of the day he was doing this one. Was he doing this? Oh, 3.55 a.m. Everybody talks about, you know, at three in the morning is when he's doing his tweets. He writes, nobody should be allowed to burn the American flag. If they do, there must be consequences, perhaps loss of citizenship or year in jail, exclamation point in classic Trump style, of course, exclamation point. Mind you, big, huge disclaimer. I am not in favor of burning the American flag. I am not in favor of burning the American flag. I love my country. I am sometimes feeling like I need to weep for my country lately because it is so mangled out of, you know, totally contorted from what it originally was at its founding. Nonetheless, I love my country. I would like it to return to its glory. I would like to actually make America great again. The only way to do that, of course, is to make America free again, which is another of Sunny's T-shirts. By the way, I have to get that other shirt from Sunny because she has one that's called Make America Free Again. So enough said. I love my country. I would not burn the flag. However, if Donald Trump tries to make it illegal to burn the American flag, I will either burn one myself or I will participate. I have a friend, James Valiant, who's appeared on this show who was talking about, you know, Donald Trump, please don't make me burn the American flag. We don't want to do this. But if somebody tries to make it illegal, if he actually tries to get, a, if he actually gets a law out there, if he makes it illegal to burn the American flag, we're going to have to do it on principle. And maybe a whole bunch of us will have to get together and make it a big ceremony. I'm not eager to do it. It'd be nice to have one flag burned with a whole bunch of people there all making the statement at the same time so that you can minimize the number of flags that need to be burned in order to make this point. But yeah, I mean, I, I would do it if I had to. Vala Conspiracy is a blog that's over at Washington Post, and I decided to visit there today because they have all these, always have some good stuff. And this is what Eugene Volokh writes. He says, contrary to President-elect Donald Trump's tweet, even if flag burning weren't protected by the First Amendment, and he reminds you, and it is, there's a couple of Supreme Court opinions that are protecting it, he says you couldn't strip people of their citizenship for it. And he says, let's begin with the constitutional text here from Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, quote, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. And then Eugene writes, once you have American citizenship, you have a constitutional entitlement to it. If you like your American citizenship, you can keep your American citizenship. And that's with the Supreme Court's guarantee. And he quotes from a Froyum versus Rusk, 1967. Quote, there is no indication in these words of a fleeting citizenship, good at the moment it is acquired, but subject to destruction by the government at any time. Rather, the amendment can most reasonably be read as defining a citizenship which keeps, which a citizen keeps, unless he voluntarily relinquishes it. Once acquired, this 14th Amendment citizenship was not to be shifted, canceled, or diluted at the will of the federal government, the states, or any other governmental unit. 
And then he gives you another special bonus. I'll go ahead and skip out of that one. He says, as with almost all things in law and in life, there are some twists. He says, naturalized citizens can lose their citizenship if they procured their citizenship by lying on their citizenship applications. You know, there's some other types of exceptions, he says. But flag burning, whether or not it is intended to express contempt for the United States, and he says, and burning an American flag, like flying the Confederate flag, can have many possible intentions. He says it is generally not accompanied by an intent to renounce U.S. citizenship, nor is it generally evidence of any such intent. He says a college student's expression of contempt for the college administration or the college as a whole doesn't mean an intent to drop out of college. It's entirely consistent with an intent to make the best of a bad situation or even take advantage of the benefits provided by an institution that one despises. He says you might consider such an attitude dishonorable, depending on the circumstances, but it's very plausible that the contemptuous student would have that attitude. He said that's even more clearly so as to a citizen's expression of contempt for the current American administration or even America as a whole, if that's the flag burner's attitude. He says, given how costly surrender of citizenship would be, especially when one lacks another country that will take one in. So he says, so even if flag burning could be made criminal, and he says, and I note again, it can't be. Eugene is an expert on the First Amendment. He says, the 14th Amendment protects the flag burner's citizenship just as it protects other criminals' citizenship. So, no criminality attached to the flag burning. No Donald Trump, you cannot do this. People have had varying reactions to this out there on social media that I've monitored. So a lot of people say, oh, you know, you can't really take it seriously. You know, he is just plain politics. Some people were praising Trump doing this as a wise move to sort of, um, you know, take the you know, kind of rip the rug out from under people who are going to protest him by burning American flag to basically make them look bad, make them look anti-patriotic, et cetera. Um, let me see what people are saying over here in the chat room. Is flag burning inciting in some way? Robert Nasir in the chat room says, it's simple. Flag burners may deserve a punch in the nose, but not from the government nor its president-elect. Yeah, I don't even like the idea of punching in the nose people who burn the flag. I mean, maybe that's just because I'm a woman and I'm not violent, but I, I would just ignore these people. Now, as I said, if Trump makes it illegal, we'll have to burn it. But yeah, Jay says the point of our flag is that we can burn it. If we can't burn it, it isn't our flag anymore, right? But, you know, a number of people out there on social media are saying, oh, you know, you can't take him literally. You really shouldn't worry about this. You know, he's just tweeting, and it's just a political move. It's not that he's actually going to outlaw it. He's not actually going to try and take away people's citizenship. And, you know, I give them the same answer that I was talking about the other day on the show with respect to Donald Trump demanding an apology of the cast of Hamilton when they were giving the little speech to Mike Pence, who had came, you know, he had come to see the musical. You cannot, if you are the government, demand an apology from someone who is doing nothing more than exercising his rights to freedom of expression. If you do that, there is, even if it's never going to happen, even if Donald Trump is never going to do anything legally to the cast of Hamilton, even if he's never going to try to pass a law making it illegal for you to burn the flag, he's not going to try to strip anybody, even if he doesn't do it, nonetheless, because he is the president-elect, because he is in a position of power with government, there is an implicit threat that's there. And you get this idea that Donald Trump is watching you that if you say the wrong thing, if you do the wrong thing, you know, do something that you are entirely within your rights to do, like burn the flag. You know, some people think that burning a flag is an act of speech. Some people think, no, it's just using your private property. Whatever it is, you have the perfect right to do it. And your right to do that should not be taken away from you by government. And there shouldn't even be a hint 
of an implication of a threat that when you're out there doing the thing that you have a perfect right to do, that the government is going to retaliate in some way using the legalized force that it has at its its disposal to do that. So what I did in the program notes is, in case you haven't seen it yet, I have the link to the blog post from 2011 talking about that old Attack Watch website. And if you remember, Attack Watch was just one in a series. There were at least two websites where you were supposed to go there and report people who were supposedly spreading inaccurate things about Barack Obama. This is part of the effort to get him reelected. And of course he was in power at the time. So here's the thing, you know, the website is here. It's Obama's support people, you know, somebody connected with Obama, you know, how many degrees of separation, I don't know, but these are, you know, people who are working with the knowledge and approval of Obama putting together this website your name is going to be plastered on this website as somebody who is criticizing Barack Obama, whether fairly or unfairly. All that is required is that somebody thought your criticism of Barack Obama is unfair, and then it's going to go on this website. And, you know, if you're being singled out as critical of a person and somebody thinks that you actually should be singled out and this should be publicized, and this person happens to be the president of the United States, who has the power to do things against you, who has the power, for example, to phone up somebody at the IRS and have the IRS audit you or whatever. And this is stuff that may have happened, right? People who were politically opposed, Tea Party types, to the Obama administration, we saw that they had a harder time getting their 501c3 approvals. They were audited more frequently and things like this under Obama's IRS. This is real, right? The the idea that government can do something to you in retaliation for an opinion that you express is scary. It's not acceptable. And I don't care whether we talk to Trump. He he would not say, right? And I'm convinced from the New York Times excerpt that he would not say, oh, don't worry. I'm 100% committed to the First Amendment. I would never do those things. I'm just expressing my opinion, my contempt for flag burning. No, Donald Trump, you are not. And actually, I don't think that he's capable of proper contempt for flag burning, given that the proper contempt for flag burning is based on a deep understanding of individual rights and having the principle of individual rights be the guiding force in your life, which is just not true of Donald Trump. So he's not just doing it as contempt, proper contempt for flag burning, he is implicitly making a threat because of who he is and the position of power that he's going to have. And that itself shows contempt for the principle of individual rights, or not necessarily contempt, but just disregard. It's just rights are just not that important. What's important to him is pretending he's pro American, right? He's going to make America great again. He's going to put America first in the trade deals. He wants to, in education, he wants to make American education great again with his new pick. Everything is about putting America first, but he doesn't have a firm understanding of what America is, and he is disregarding that principle of rights that is at the very root of our country. So, you know, I I think this example, he's tweeting this out, he's threatening to strip citizenship And he's also saying that it should be made illegal when I guess he's ignorant of the Supreme Court opinions upholding the practice. That's that's a scary prospect. And no, I don't think, you know, if he appoints Supreme Court justices who are going to change the ruling on that and then make it that therefore it's okay to make it illegal, that somehow everything's okay. I think that not only, you know, has the Supreme Court ruled on this and said that it's consistent with our rights, with exercising either our First Amendment rights or our property rights, that that is the proper holding. And that if Trump was to appoint somebody who reversed that, that he'd be doing the wrong thing as well. John McCulloch in the chat room says that McCain said that he would make flag burning punishable. And he says he refused to comment on Trump's position. I mean, some people would say, well, you know, out of context, you would like to make flag burning illegal. I don't know if, you know, Robert earlier 
took it literally, you know, you want to punch somebody in the nose. You could say, well, I feel like I'd want to punch somebody in the nose if they were burning a flag for any reason other than what we're talking about here, right? I don't think that burning a flag would be my choice of protest of our government, right? There's so many things that our government does that I think is wrong, right? That these, so much that it's doing is wrong. Nonetheless, flag burning would not be my choice of mode of protest unless the thing that it was doing wrong is making flag burning illegal. Yeah, Robert says, John McCain feels very strongly about the flag too. Mr. Trump is not the only person wrong on this issue. Yeah, you can feel very strongly about it, but that doesn't mean that you can make it illegal to to burn the flag. That's something we're not allowed to do. Take the power back is talking about some other Republican leadership scares me. It's supposed to be the party of principle. I think it abandoned being the party of principle a long time ago. You know, one of the biggest problems that the Republican Party has had in the last few decades is trying to marry the I use marry because gay marriage issue and all that stuff. But they but they want to marry religious conservatism with the idea of a limited government. And that simply cannot be done. Right. Because in, you know, in religion and religious ethics. You would have a duty to help your fellow citizens, so that's going to undermine you as you attempt to, for instance, scale back entitlement programs and, and things like that. At the same time, if you are wanting to impose your religious ethics on everybody else with respect to abortion and homosexuality and gay marriage and other issues, then you're going to be bumped up, you know, bumping up against the idea of limited government. Our government should not be telling people what choices they should make about whether to get an abortion, whom you can marry, who is a consenting adult, et cetera. So, yeah, take the power back. Says, yeah, right. They default to collectivism. Cobra Pilot says, flag burning is protected as free speech. What is the difference between speech and action? You know, they talk about this idea of a communicative act. So, If you are burning a flag because the flag is the symbol, you are stating something in that action. Typically, if you take a piece of cloth and you set it on fire, you're not trying to say anything. But if it is a flag, a United States flag, then you definitely are. Robert in the chat room says, sometimes you're willing to violate rights and take the consequences. If someone insults your wife crudely enough, you might take a swing at him and pay the price afterward. Yes. Yes. Um, He says, I wouldn't slug someone who'd burn the flag, but in the right situation, I could at least understand it. I could as well. It really would depend on the context, but my first instinct would just be to abandon and walk away from the person. And obviously that person is not even close to sharing your values. So that is one prime example of Donald Trump just not being that into your rights, you know, he's, he, he can't be bothered to know that flag burning is protected by the First Amendment currently. Again, you know, it could be protected legally via some sort of different theory, but it should be protected. And moreover, for him to just go out there and say, oh, maybe I'll take away your citizenship when the 14th Amendment does not allow that is sloppy. It, at the very least, it's sloppy. And you know, you might say, okay, well, what's his motive? And, you know, people were talking about the other day that he has low self-esteem. So if he's showing signs of demagoguery, shouldn't we, I don't care what his motive is, right? If he is not showing the proper respect for individual rights that is appropriate for a president of the United States to demonstrate, I don't care what the reason is. That's his job. He's not living up to it. You know, you have to judge somebody by their actions at a certain point. You know, whatever the motive is, I don't know. But what I know is that he's demonstrating he just doesn't care that much about our rights. And so, therefore, in my mind, he is not somebody that I really want as my president. I will, you know, as I said, keep my mind open. He might do a few good things. It might be better, all things considered, that we have him in office instead of Hillary Let's see how it goes. But in terms of me being excited 
and having any sort of enthusiasm about having him as my president, I don't have it because he's just not into my rights. He's not into your rights. Cobra in this chat room says, can I claim that kicking a flag burner's ass is my free speech? And Debbie chimes in right away. Violence is not speech. No, violence is not speech, nor would it be speech if you were burning somebody else's flag, right? So you buy your flag from Amazon. By the way, if you want to support my show, you can use an Amazon link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. It's a little ad right there. Uh, But if you know, if you want to buy a flag from Amazon and then you want to take that flag that you bought and burn it, okay, fine. If you steal somebody else's flag and you burn it, nope, that's not speech. And Debbie adds, she says, just like burning witches is not an expression of freedom of religion. No, it's definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. Okay. So let me go back over to the blog, don'tletitgo.com, and let's look at some other examples that have been percolating this week to show you that Donald Trump is, again, just not that into your rights. And Trump is apparently appointing a conservative, actually two different conservatives, one to run Health and Human Services and the other to be in charge of Medicare and Medicaid. And just as I'm pulling up my nice Washington Post article, I'm getting the spinning rainbow of death. Let's see if I can cure that with a quick refresh. Maybe I'm not going to be able to do that. I'll have to throw it into my other browser. Sorry, you guys. One second here. Okay. Over Washington Conservative Agenda, it's requirements on Okay, everybody, can you hear me now? See if you can hear me. You can hear me. Okay, excellent. I do not know what happened. The entire time that you guys were saying that you couldn't hear me, I was connected. It was showing I was connected. It was counting down. There wasn't any button that said, you know, use direct connect and call back in and stuff. Nothing. It looked like I was connected. I'm so sorry, you guys. I don't know. I'm going to have to keep this chat room completely open. Probably I will have to get a separate computer, and then I'll have to keep the chat room completely up 100% in front of my eyes all the time so that you can tell me when you lose the sound, especially now because, as I said, this time in the studio, I was seeing myself. It says Amy Peacock host, and it shows a little icon with a microphone in red and stuff. It showed me that I was connected. I'm sorry, guys. So I'm back. They say that we have fun chat times when you go silent. I'm sure you probably, someone was speculating whether I was on Facebook live video. I promise I wasn't on Facebook. So, so I'm having a hard time today. Facebook live video didn't work. This had a glitch that was unprecedented in it. Take the power boxes. I need your email. There's an email that I have over at the blog, but I guess what you guys could do is put some comments on Facebook Um, You could definitely do that. So anyway, um, I'm back. Let's go back. And and so where did I leave off, you guys? Tell me where I left off. What was I talking about when I got disconnected? And let me see if I can recreate the thought. Because what I was talking about was the issue of Obamacare. And the point was that, first of all, people don't know what's going to happen with Obamacare. And it is very important whether or not they decide to keep this mandate that the insurers cover those people with pre-existing conditions, that the insurers engage in those unprofitable transactions. If you are a healthcare provider, if you are anywhere in the healthcare industry, whether you're a doctor, a hospital insurance company, somebody who owns a surgery center, anything else, it is so important to you to know what is happening with these different aspects of the law. Um, you know, where is the government gun going to be pointed next is the question everybody wants to ask. And in a way that it's never been before, it seems to be based on some sort of capricious whim of Donald Trump because Trump has been so vague because Donald Trump 
changed his position on certain issues so many times. If you remember on Monday, I was talking about that issue of the um, biofuel mandates and that people were unsure whether or not he was going to keep the biofuel mandates or keep them at the particular level that they are. I guess they're at a some unprecedented level for 2017. And is that going to change under Trump? Is he going to keep it the way it is? Imagine you are in one of these industries where there is an imminent threat that the regulations are going to be changed in some way that will impact your profitability, your livelihood. And imagine that, you know, Donald Trump could tweet out at 3 a.m. a threat to your industry, to your business, your small business, whatever it is. This is this is terrible. And, you know, you could say, yeah, we're in a mixed economy for decades. People have been subject to stuff like this. But I do think that under Donald Trump, the amount of kind of whim and, and therefore the amount that you know, that we are unsure that we're very tentative about what our future looks like. It's really unprecedented. And again, I I see this as Trump having disregard for rights, right? Because there are these people who say, you know, yeah, I respect individual rights, but regulation is necessary to protect people from unscrupulous corporations and creditors and all this kind of stuff that they think that they're protecting you from. But Trump, you know, he doesn't seem to have this idea that you have to have respect for the rule of law, that law needs to be stable and known so that people can plan their lives more than I would say with any other administration. It just seems to be all up in the air what exactly is going to happen in all of these different sectors. And the same is true apparently, with respect to the healthcare industry. Of course, the Washington Post is all upset because he's appointing conservatives and they're scared. But it's not that the conservatives are that much better. Waldo says, who's going to protect us from unscrupulous politicians? That is a really good question. Freedom Breeze is also asking how much he wants, does he want lobbyists to boost his ego? Yeah, I mean, you know, this idea that he wants to be popular and that he's going to do things swayed by popular opinion as opposed to the principle of individual rights is just another indication that he's, he's just, just not that into your rights. When you talk about you know, the idea of either scaling back the Affordable Care Act or repealing it, replacing it with something else, you should try to be guided if you are in government by the principle of individual rights, the principle that should be motivating you. And that's just not true. Yeah. So everyone over here in chat room, we're all good. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to the blog at don'tletitgo.com again and check out more of the program notes that I've got for today. That up on the it's not giving me fit. Yeah, I have this overhaul in some way. Okay, so that's healthcare. Let's go ahead now and look at one of those. Hello, everybody. I should be back. Everyone is in the chat room talking about House of Cards and... People are saying, I'm going to give you some tips on your computer so you don't crash again. So what was I talking about when I was disconnected this time? Anybody want to fill me in? You can tell me where I need to pick up where I left off. Okay, someone emailed me a PDF about how to not get disconnected again. So that's excellent. Perfect. I'll take a look at it and see if I can figure that out. I'm not surprised that people go ahead and leave. I've got uh, listeners abandoning me because of this. This is really, really bad. This is the worst, being disconnected twice in one show. Uh, Trump turning to conservative tacticians to run HHS and Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. 
so, so, you know, what is the message with this, right? When, as we're going through and we're looking at these potential appointments with respect to health and human services price, the big question is what provisions of Obamacare are they going to keep? What provisions are they going to abandon? Is it even realistic to say that you would not, um, excuse me, that you would be able to keep the provision that requires insurers to insure those with pre-existing conditions? Could you keep that and not keep the rest of Obamacare and hope to have any sort of health insurance, you know, business that stays in business? We think that Trump does not want to push us into socialized medicine, but if he's trying to keep certain of these provisions and not keep other provisions, there's just going to be increased pressure on, uh, you know, the government to, again, expand regulation over the healthcare industry. Um, but, you know, the overall message that I've been trying to say with respect to a lot of this stuff, right, with respect to the uncertainty that we have about the healthcare industry and what regulations are going to remain on that through Obamacare, with the uncertainty with respect to the corn, you know, get, you want to call it industry, I guess, you know, the agricultural industry around corn, there's uncertainty there because of the biofuel mandates, right? Uh, They don't know what's going to happen with these under Trump. With education now, he had campaigned on the idea of repealing Common Core, getting rid of Common Core, and now we're hearing after the appointment that they're talking about imposing higher national standards. With all of these things, there is uncertainty, and you could say, yes, Amy, you know, there's uncertainty under all politicians Obama can pull out the pen and the phone tomorrow and he can ruin a businessman's life. And that is true, but there seems to be under Trump a disregard for the stability of law, the stability of regulatory law that I haven't seen elsewhere. And while I was cut off, the thing that I was going to talk about was his new treasury appointment. You know, they had been considering John Allison for treasury And if Trump was concerned to further capitalism, actual real capitalism, which is based on the principle of individual rights, if that had been his goal, then the natural appointment for Treasury would have been John Allison. John Allison would have, I would say more than anybody else that you could pick, been able to figure out how to streamline the tax code and do it in a way, because obviously you're not going to be able to have pure laissez-faire capitalism tomorrow, but he'd be able to achieve the sorts of changes that are the goals of Trump in an incremental way if anybody could do it. What I guess is that Trump saw how principled John Allison is, right? Because John Allison himself has internalized the principle of individual rights, and that would be the principle that would be his guide as he was trying to figure out how to go from where we are to an ideal system and, you know, figure out what incremental steps you could take under a Trump administration. Trump's not interested in any of that he has shown. Instead, he has appointed a crony type, a former Goldman Sachs banker. And then the question is, you know, what are they going to do to the tax code? He's saying that he's going to give significant tax cuts to the middle class and not so much to upper income people. Although you're still, if you still cut corporate tax rates significantly, that can have a huge positive effect on the economy. The thing that's a little bit scary, right? Is when you look at the fact that there's a certain type of tax plan that is favored by Paul Ryan and then Trump's tax plan, which, you know, seems like it's going to be implemented by this Stephen, who's a, a crony you know, from Goldman Sachs. Um, you know, the difference is there's going to be this broad-based tax cut that might not be realistic in terms of the the level of spending, and it might throw us into higher deficits. And the thing that I'm concerned about with Trump is when he talked about many times in the debates, he'd say, you know, we've got 20 trillion in debt, national debt, and that 20 trillion. It would be okay if we didn't have infrastructure that looked like a third world country, if we had first class airports and roads and bridges and all the different things. And the implication was the $20 trillion deficit doesn't bother him. 
And what I'm getting from reading this article on the Treasury appointment and also, um, you know, the differences between what they're talking about tax-wise and the House the idea of high deficits and the continual expansion of that debt, which itself represents a threatened rights violation against the citizens, right? Because who's on the hook for all of that? How is that debt ever going to either be paid off or what are they going to do? They're going to bankrupt it away. What is that going to look like in terms of inflation, the value of our currency, our spending ability, destroying our retirement accounts, whatever it's going to end up being. Leslie Fair in the chat room says that Munton, the appointee, said that the biggest problem with the Dodd-Frank is that it's confusing. There is there's a legitimate point to that, right? You could say, okay, there's regulations. All of them have regulations. But at least if you have less confusing regulations – then people know what they can and can't do. And that at least that's more fair. It's more respectful of the rights of human beings than if you issue legislation that's confusing. However, obviously the problem, the biggest problem with Dodd-Frank is not that it's confusing, it's that it's a rights-violating piece of legislation. Jay says, all I keep thinking about is how happy I was that the left failed. I can only imagine what level of elation I would be at if it wasn't Trump. I mean, imagine if it was Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, for all of his faults, and I disagree with him on a number of things, he has a principled understanding of individual rights. Not perfect, but he does internalize that principle. He makes it a guiding factor in his life in a way that Trump just doesn't do it. Just Gene says the biggest problem with Dodd-Frank is that it exists. Yes. Yeah, Ken didn't know that, that Allison was ultimately rejected. Yeah, he was. You know, again, if Trump had a concern for individual rights, for capitalism, then he would have appointed John Allison. But I think John Allison was probably too principled for him. And probably John Allison was giving him a dose of reality. Because, again, the implication that I'm getting from looking at this article, the fact that Trump wants to give broad tax cuts to the middle class in a way that the House wasn't going to, I'm wondering if they're going to be able to square the circle. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if he's just going to run up a bunch of deficits. If he thinks he's going to be able to get rid of a lot of parts of Obamacare, like the individual mandate, but keep the requirement that insurers insure those with pre-existing conditions, you can't do that. You're going to bankrupt the health insurance industry. Are you going to subsidize them? Are you going to you know, give the country even more debt in order to make up for that mandate? This is the scary kind of stuff and the block grants and everything else. I'm, I am concerned that he's going to spend, and like with his businesses, he's not going to worry so much about going into debt. That's, that's a fear. Leslie Fair in the chat room says, watch how easily a massive infrastructure bill gets through. Yeah, this is the sort of thing that you're concerned about. Uh, and and uh, Leslie Fair in the chat room is saying this in connection with an appointment of McConnell's wife as Secretary of Transportation so that we're going to have these huge, massive infrastructure bills. You know, again, what did he say during the debates? $20 trillion would be fine if we had the best infrastructure in the world. And that's the kind of thing that he promised. He didn't promise to get rid of the debt. He promised to improve the infrastructure. So let's go back to the blog. Don't let it go.com and see what else I've got. Cause I've got just a few minutes. Um, the one thing that we are waiting to see is whether Trump is going to help protect us from jihadists or not. And I haven't heard anything in particular yet that's making me worry about his resolve there. Um, you know, we, we just don't know what that's going to look like in the future. All the stuff that we've been talking about is education, the treasury pick, the CIA pick I've told you is very concerning because the CIA pick is apparently a defender of the NSA's programs, the massive surveillance of U.S. citizens, right? The bulk surveillance of, of U.S. citizens. That's 
you know, without probable cause, without particularized suspicion. I think that's inexcusable. And also the CIA pick, his name's Pompeo. The fact that he wants to prosecute Snowden for treason, try him, presumably get the death penalty. That's what he has called for, the death penalty on Edward Snowden, who's, I I believe, a heroic whistleblower. That also shows a, a contempt for rights our rights to keep our information private. I wouldn't call it a right to privacy. That's another topic for another day. But our rights to keep our information private, which we certainly do have and certainly should be protected. He's shown contempt for that too. So you know, he is. He's, he's just not that into your rights. Is he into our right to be defended from jihadists? That's the thing that remains to be seen. And we've seen the necessity to solve this problem again this week because at Ohio State University there was a jihadist attack. Luckily, the jihadist was foiled quickly by somebody with a gun. The attack was carried out with a car and a knife or some sort of, um, I can't remember which kind of knife it was, something something a little bit bigger than just your average knife. Um yeah, he stabbed a bunch of people, this guy. But he was enrolled as an Ohio State student, transferred from community college, et cetera. I've posted a link at the blog at don'tletitgo.com to a posting that he made what on what appeared to be his Facebook page shortly before the attack. And he said that the assault on Muslims around the world, quote, led to a boiling point. I can't take it anymore. And the post ends, quote, by Allah, I am willing to kill a billion infidels in retribution for a single disabled Muslim man. Post appears to show that he suggested people, quote, screenshot his message before it got taken down. In fact, now he, his Facebook account is not online. There is a kind of poorly rendered screenshot of this from Jihad Watch, and I've got the link at don'tletitgo.com. Clearly, this was motivated by Islam and how do you deal with that in the culture and and things like that? How do you, first of all, identify these people before they attack, um, you know, and and protect us. These are problems that Trump is going to have under his administration. We haven't yet seen what he's going to do about it. I guess his whole thing is he's going to keep the NSA programs and spy on all Americans because of this issue. Uh, What is he going to do with immigrations? He's going to keep, out all the good people along with the the bad people, we're going to have to see as time goes on. It's definitely important. I've got a couple other articles you can check out relevant to the issue of Islam and jihad. In Germany, there's a guy who calls himself a pickup artist. He's training Muslim migrants on how to win women. Part of their thing is that they want to conquer you by marrying all of your women I won't be dating a Muslim anytime soon. I'll assure you of that. I don't care how good of a quote pickup artist he is. Protect your internet presence in the age of Donald Trump. This is a fun one. Uh, Stephanie Gutman shared this. Thanks for sharing it. It's an article from NBC News, and it's not presented as anything else. The headline is, yeah, protecting your internet presence in the age of Donald Trump. You should be concerned about your internet presence. Now, in a certain way, right, we are concerned. We are concerned how he's going to clamp down on free speech. But the sort of stuff that they're talking about is that safe, spacey kind of thing, like Donald Trump is going to offend you. And I'm not concerned about Donald Trump offending me, you know, if he wants to insult people and stuff like that. What I'm concerned about is when there is any sort of implicit threat against people who are speaking and saying certain things. So that's really the concern. And I'd like to see people unpack this a little bit here or there. You know, the idea that I'm going to be offended by a Trump tweet at three in the morning. I mean, I don't like it. I think that a lot of what Trump does is degrading the presidency if he's, if he's like that, but I don't care about the, the being offended part. And it is kind of funny to see them, you know, Oh gosh, we're going to be offended. We have to do something. A little bit of potentially good news. Oh, they're saying the sound is breaking up a bit again. I'm going to have to see if there's something systematic with my computer, guys. Sorry. Uh, Obama challenges Trump by expanding the H-1B 
sourcing programs. I guess this is one of the things that Trump, uh, excuse me, is doing away. He's imposing immigration, which would help graduates have good jobs at American universities and hospitals that by American born graduates. Because the outsourcing program would take effect just three days before he leaves the White House. And says it can be seen as a direct challenge to Trump, who promises to reform the H-1B program. You know, my view on this is that employers should be allowed to hire a person to make that person a citizen. So I'm not, not against it. Maybe it's like that. Uh, finally, I'm sorry, but the blog can check it out. Democrats clinch a supermajority in both houses of the California legislature. For those of us who live in California, this is a very scary prospect. And I've got a number of people urging me, you know, go to Texas, go here, Tennessee's great, et cetera. It may still make sense for me to stay in California, but I certainly resent liberals making it harder and more expensive to live here. And I assume that that's only going to get worse with a supermajority in both houses. So we've got a lot of work to do. I will be back here next week. Follow the blog at don'tletitgo.com so you never miss a show. Take care.